Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? I am in the mobile studio once again. However, I am parked, but you're probably going to hear the AC going. So there'll be a, we'll hear a little bit of a drone and maybe a little bit of a truck kind of cycling here and there because it's over 100 degrees today and I'm not going to sweat it out for you. Anyway, let's get our contact info going and then we'll start up with the show. Oh, and before we do that, I am using the uh, Sure microphone and the Zoom, so hopefully it'll be a little bit better audio. Like I said, you may hear some of the AC going and all that kind of jazz. If you'd like to contact me, and I'd love to hear from you, I do have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. I also have the email address, which is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. P-R-O-T-O-N mail.com. And if you wanted to, again, send in the email, or if you want, and I'll read it for you on the show, or if you want to record your own audio, or provide links to articles, anything like that, that's where you send that stuff to. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, I do have buttons for Facebook and YouTube, Twitter and Instagram. There is also a PayPal donation button. And if you ever wanted to send something to me, the easiest and best way to do that to make sure that I actually get it and to make sure that I don't think it's some type of a a fishing thing or a scam deal is to just go directly to firearmscafe.com and you'll see the donate button and just click on that and it it's it's all set up and everything it does it all automatically for you all right enough of that kind of stuff man every time i don't get any phone calls and i don't know if you heard that or not i get zero phone calls and then the second I start to record, I get like 400 texts and like 50 phone calls and all that stuff. So anyway, the other day I went to, and the other day I guess it was Tuesday, I think is when I went. I went down to the range. I went to Ted's Gun Range or Ted's Shooting Range, I think is the name of it, out here in uh, Arizona. And I used to really like, we'll, we'll talk about the range section session here in a second. There we go. I used to really like going out to the desert and shooting out there. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened is BLM has really cracked down on what is available to go out on the public land and what's available for shooting. Pretty much every place I would go that I... There, they're gone now they've they've got them closed and there were ones where i was going pretty remote and there really wasn't any other evidence too much of somebody shooting out there there you know occasionally you'd see a couple of shells here and there um, and where i went you would hardly see anything there'd be maybe like i was saying some shotgun holes some empty shells and then you would see occasionally you would see you know some ak stuff and this and that but generally it was it was pretty good. I and I, of course, always tried to police up everything that I could that I could see, and uh, especially if you're shooting steel-cased ammo, if you just tie a magnet on a stick, 
it's easy to pick up all your stuff and, and, and not leave a bunch of trash out there. So anyway, BLM has, has closed what is supposed to be our land, the, the public land. You, um, a lot of it you can't drive on anymore. A lot of it you, you can't shoot. I'm surprised they even let foot traffic in there anymore. And some of the areas, they've even closed that. And the problem is, is once they close it, it's decades, literally decades before they will ever open it again, if they ever do at all. Uh, and, of course, there's no, there's no public hearings there. Or if there is, they're not at all advertised. So you don't know about it. The first time you know about it is when you go out and it's posted all over the place. You know, no shooting, no this, no that. And, you know, so one of the things or one of the places, I should say, that I used to really love to go to, but it's a bit of a a haul for me, is there's a place out in Casa Grande. And I've talked about it before on previous episodes. And it's what I would consider to be an open shooting range. So it's got two or three pistol bays and it's got I think maybe a couple of rifle bays and they're covered and they have concrete benches and stuff there there's no targets there's no range officer and so that's why I kind of call it an open range it's just open to the public the problem with that is that well there's a couple of things the first is because a lot of the public lands and a lot of the things are getting closed it's forcing people who would otherwise maybe have gone out in the desert. It's forcing those people to go and shoot at this particular range. And again, of course there's no fee also. That's another thing. It doesn't cost you anything. So it's free. So it's different than going to, uh, there's some ranges are out here like, you know, Phoenix rod and gun or usury pass or something like that. So it doesn't cost you anything to go. And again, you can, draw from a holster you can shoot and move you can do all this other stuff a lot of times now when i was first going out there many times i would have the bay all to myself especially the pistol bays and they're smaller there's usually on the pistol bays there's only about three benches set up so unfortunately now those kind of fill up pretty quick even with that though i think the last time i was out there with my daughter we were on and one of the pistol bays and then a guy came out and he had a rifle and was kind of messing around with it out there but we got along fine and and uh, all that kind of stuff but i'm sure he would have preferred to have been probably over at one of the rifle bays but i think at that time they may have all been full but anywho the whole point of all this rambling stuff is that normally i would have i would have gone there it's getting though so hot that you could still do it now but you, you've got to have like a covered space. And it, it also, it kind of, when it gets, and especially not right now, but a couple months from now, when it is boiling hot, you're, it's just no fun to just go out there and suffer and sweat and, and be super hot and all this kind of jazz. And yeah, you could go out there and tough it out. But again, for me, I'll probably use, well... I probably wouldn't use as much, but to drive all the way out there, all the way back, you know, I'm going to use five, six, seven dollars worth. Well, probably, yeah, close to maybe mm, eight to twelve dollars worth of gas. And you say, ah, that's not that big a deal. But 
you figure I can go somewhere else, spend almost nothing in gas, and go into an indoor range. And yeah, there's some restrictions here and there, but if I just want to kind of shoot around a little bit or kind of maintain a little bit of, of a skill set, I can do that inside an indoor range. And uh, it doesn't cost as much, and I'm, I'm much more comfortable. So anyway, I do like that range, but I think the time for that is fast uh, coming to a close. I may try and get out there the next week or two before the weather really changes and just go real early in the morning. Also, you, of course, that place you can't really go to on the weekends anymore. It's just too crowded. So you sort of have to go during the week, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And even then, there's still going to be people out there. There's so many people that live out here uh, in, in the Phoenix area and all this stuff. I am looking, though, to try and find some other places where I can go. I've, I've gotten some tips on them. If you live out here in Arizona, in the Phoenix areas, and Phoenix area will mean, you know, whether you're west side or east side. I would Actually, I'm more on the east side of town. But if you know of uh, anything that's sort of out in the east side other than uh, Four Peaks, if you're not from Arizona, that really won't mean anything. But there's some places where you can go out there. But, again, the problem is, because everything else is getting shut down, they fill up. Uh, a few months ago, me and a, a buddy and his brother and his kids, we all went out there, and we had to had to hunt and peck to find a place to shoot. But uh, and, and then again, when you do that, then you run into the problem of, well, you really do need some type of a table, and you need some type of a shade. Uh, and I have a little table and everything, but I don't have a shade. I actually need to buy one of those little, like, pavilion-type things and something that I can set up pretty easy. Because, uh, again, even when it's kind of hot like it is today, like I said, it's a little bit over 100. If you're out there and there's a little bit of a breeze and if you're in the shade, it's not too bad. Uh, and, of course, you know, you got to have water and stuff with you or else you're just going to roast. But, anyway, let's, enough of that kind of nonsense. Let's get back to... Oh, well, anyway, I think I forgot to ask, do you guys know of any place like uh, where you can say, oh, go out to such and such or go out to here. Here'd be a good place for you. Or, you know, I can understand, too, sometimes you find a good place to go shooting. It's almost like a good place to go fishing. You're like, you don't really want to give up your spot. But anywho, I went over to Ted's shooting range and I had taken and I think I talked to you guys about it before. I've taken the VP9, and I have on there right now, just to try it out, the Viridian, what is it, XL5 or some stuff like that. I can't remember the actual name of it. I think that's what it is. Okay, it's the X, X5L. I think that's it. Anyway, it's the light and laser combination. It's the green laser. And when I went to... Uh, the range I had I thought I had in my range bag and it turned out that I didn't I thought I had the little allen wrench that I could use to adjust elevation and, and windage on the thing so I took it there and got the target set up sent it out at about five yards and I thought okay well I'll just shoot it without the light and laser on or anything first see what it does see you know kind of make sure that I'm focusing a little bit on some of the fundamentals and then I'll shoot it with a laser. So I shot about 15 rounds on on uh, on the target. 
And I like, I like to get that target where you have the star, the square, the circle, and the triangle because you can then focus on different things rather than just having maybe a human silhouette. And I, I like having those too, and I ended up getting one of those as well. But it's nice when you're trying to dial something in or you want to see how's this thing doing to be able to have on this particular thing. I think I had something like, I think it's four rows of four. So you get like 16 little mini targets that you can shoot at. So anyway, I did that. And when I, and I thought, okay, well, I'll do it on the laser. So I turned it on and started shooting, and it was shooting low and to the left. And I know some of you guys are going to say, ah, you were jerking the trigger, you're doing this, or you're kind of not concentrating. But I had just recently, you know, had moments before had shot like three things, and it was going where I wanted it to go. So I wasn't, you know, shooting low, wasn't shooting here and there. And, you know, look, my, my groups weren't four-leaf little clover things or all stacking up on one hole, but they were they were good enough and they were going pretty much where I was aiming. So, and this was, uh, in this part of the story, I know I kind of already told you that I had forgotten my little Allen wrench, but that's when I looked through the bag and I thought, okay, well, I just, I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. And then I had also forgot, usually when I go to the range and especially in an, or an indoor range, but realistically, almost every, every time I go shooting, I will pretty much double up. And by that, I have my Howard Light, the sport models, you know, the green one that pretty much you see pretty much everybody has. And then I also have those little orange disposable little foam rolly things. And so I'll put those on and then I'll put my earmuffs on. And then that way, if I don't get a good seal or if, uh, let's say if I'm at a... a uh, another place where I've, I've taken them off or something like that, I've still got my actual, I've still got some type of hearing protection. It's not a ton, but it's some. And I've had, I had one time when we were at a class and all the shooting was supposed to be done and it was an outdoor range. So that kind of helped mitigate it a little bit. But what happened was I was talking with one of the instructors and he had taken his headphones off. I had taken mine off. And we're just having the conversation. This was the one time when I didn't have my little, uh, I didn't, or I wasn't double bagged there, so to speak. And of course, a guy down the way who was a, another instructor was working with a student and like, bang, 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 they blast off like three rounds. And then of course, the, the lead instructor who I was talking to got mad at the other guy. And it wasn't, you know, the end of the world, but it was one of those things where you're just like, even though it was a little further down the line, you're just like, dang, man, that's loud. So anyway, you know, I, I had kind of forgotten that stuff. And I was, so I was kind of a little peeved about that. And then when the laser was shooting down into the left, I was a little peeved about that because I couldn't adjust it. But all in all, I still enjoyed shooting the VP9. And for the most part, when I would do my part, I would have a decent little grouping. There was a couple of times though where I was maybe thinking about the trigger press more and or I wasn't paying attention to my uh, having a good enough grip or this that and the other thing and I'm you know I got a couple of flyers and I could tell right as I hit the right as I pulled the trigger I'm like whoa that you know that didn't feel right and of course it showed up on the paper so the uh, the holes in the paper don't lie so to speak now I had also taken the uh, the Glock that has the RMR on there with the outer impact uh, 
red dot mount, I guess you'd call it. I still, uh, again, long-term uh, update or whatever or, or ongoing testing with it. I haven't seen any movement. I haven't seen any movement of the screws. I haven't seen any loosening of the actual mount or the dovetail or anything like that. As far as I can tell, again, the RMR hasn't lost zero. It hasn't shifted. Pretty much where I'm aiming is where the impact is. And again, I am not pushing this thing out to you know 50 yards or 25 yards or anything like that. I am staying in at about five, seven, or 10, 10 yards, right around in there. Uh, and so, again, with the, with the RMR and with that uh, outer impact mount, not noticing any, any shift or anything like that. I will post up some pictures either today or tomorrow. Like I said, today's Thursday, so maybe either today or Friday. And, of course, you guys won't hear this probably until Saturday or Sunday, maybe at the, at the, at the earliest. But anyway... I'll post some of that stuff to Instagram and uh, just show you some of the targets. And what I did, and so that I could kind of keep track of it, is I would shoot maybe a couple of targets or, or shoot a couple of the uh, either the you know the star or the thing on the, on the on the target, and then I would bring it back in and write down the distance, what I was shooting, that type of thing. So that because otherwise, you know, with 16 of them, you're just not going to remember. And then I also take a sharpie. And I circle that group so that if I hit in there again, uh, I know, oh, I was, you know, I was aiming to the one next to it and I kind of pulled to the left or pulled to the right or up or down or that type of thing. So anyway, I hadn't been to the range in a while and it does go to show you, man, you need to practice because I could tell I did okay, but I could tell I was off. Um, I could have done better. Uh, And once I got done with the I guess we'll call it like multi-target target, the one with all the, the shapes on it. I had also bought one that had a, uh, like a humanoid guy and he's in a, I guess like a weaver stance and he's got his pistol pointed at you. And it's funny, I kind of did a, you can't really draw from the holster there, but I did a thing where I just sort of, you know, simulated like picking up the gun quickly and and doing that and trying to get that red dot and I was trying to shoot in the on the target it has the little T zone on his eyes and stuff and the funny thing is you know how they they say you're pretty much drawn to what you would perceive as the threat and I'm it's funny I shot the gun and I actually shot it like right in the muzzle and then I and then the next few shots, I'm like, okay, well, don't do that. Just concentrate and, and uh, that type of stuff. So it was, anyway, I did that and I shot on that a little bit with the, um, with both the Glock and the VP9, that type of thing. So anyway, that was sort of my, my range time adventure. So let's kind of switch gears here and talk about a couple of the projects that I've got going on for me. I've got my dream project, which I probably won't, I don't know if I'll ever do. But it is fun to kind of dream about it and look around and kind of search for certain things. And that is, I would love to build a 9mm or an AR-9, I guess you'd call it, pistol. And especially with the braces that you can use and the stuff that you can do that way, it... uh, 
for me, I guess, I don't know why anybody would do an SBR. I, I, and I understand that, you know, the braces are not a stock and that there are advantages to a stock over a brace. However, I don't know why you would pay the extra $200 and open yourself up to all the restrictions. I, and again, I guess if the ATF changes its mind, which it could do pretty much any time at once, and they could say, well, no, no longer can you use a brace unless, you know, it, you can only cheek it or you can't cheek it at all. You can't come up to the shoulder. You know, who knows? I don't, I don't think they'll ever change it. I think it's one of those things that's now is kind of sort of set. And if it is a thing that is sort of set in stone, so to speak, we'll put that in quotation marks, I don't really see especially with some of the newer braces that they're coming out with and what they're doing. I don't really see that much of a big deal. And it seems like too, that the ATF's ruling was that if you, in the course of firing it, it happens to shoulder or something like that. It's, it's they don't consider it that you're redesigning the weapon. Uh, also, it would be a thing. I think that they said, if you were, using it to in a self-defense manner and I, I could be wrong on this but I think that's what they said that if you did bring it in and shoulder it and and use it that way you, you again wouldn't be considered that you were redesigning the weapon and purposely making it into a short barrel rifle that type of thing so I, you know I don't know I think it is one of those things that this may be one of those baby steps that we talk about sometimes where that they may, eventually just do away with short barrel rifle stuff altogether, especially if there's going to be this huge proliferation of AR pistols and not just AR9s, you know, not nine millimeters or 45s or anything like that, but, you know, just with, with all the other stuff or, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, I think I was almost going to say, or, you know, what they might do if they wanted to restrict it is they could just say, well, it can only be pistol caliber stuff that you can use the brace for. You know, you can't have a pistol brace on a, what would be considered a rifle cartridge. But then you get in down into the, into the weeds of, well, then is a 357 because you can shoot people shoot those out of lever guns. Is that a rifle cartridge, a pistol cartridge, you know, you know, all this other kind of jazz. Anyway, getting back to the whole baby steps thing, I think it may be a thing of the braces are going to be on the pistols are going to be such a common use thing that they may say, ah, you know what? Don't even, don't worry about it. And, and you could say, well, they don't want to lose the revenue. But if the majority of people are using the braces and they're just like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother to pay for this. That's ridiculous. And, and then it's not just that you're paying the $200 tax stamp because you could kind of say, especially with the cost of some of the braces that are out there, not all of them, but some of them, they're around a couple hundred bucks anyway. So you could almost say, well, it's sort of a wash you know, if I were going to SBR something uh, and I had to pay the extra $200 as a, and then you say, well, you're paying probably extra, you know, at least probably $150 extra if you're getting one of these really nicer, a lot nicer uh, brace. Let's say it's anywhere from $150 to $200. Well, a lot of times you can find a decent Magpul stock for 30, 40 bucks or something like that. Or you can find a used one that some guy's trying to get rid of for like 20 bucks. So anyway, financially, I don't think there's that's going to be kind of a wash. And if nobody's really and if the vast majority of people are just going kind of the pistol route or the brace route, that money isn't going to be going into ATF anyway. So I don't really know that they're going to be losing 
that there would be tons and tons of revenue that they would still be getting. I think that 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 would go away. So even if they said, well, the short barrel rifle thing, we're going to kind of do away with it, or maybe they do it where it's a a five dollar thing. I doubt it. Having worked kind of in the government before, they never. Anytime they start charging money, they never reduce anything. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, five, six years from now, if the ATF has not reversed itself again on the braces, what braces are going to be out there, what new stuff is going to be out there. Are, is anybody really doing SBRs anymore? And again, as you know, you know, you have to register it. You have, in certain cases, you may have to get certain parts of it engraved if it didn't have a serial number you know with a lot of this stuff and i think that if you're doing that uh, the short barrel rifle thing it's a form one i think i can't remember anyway and and if you've got a trust you know they've kind of messed around with that stuff so in some ways it was made better in some ways it was made a lot worse i still think with the atf again they're not going to make any type of ruling on suppressors or on whether or not a short barrel rifle is going to fall under that. But I think what's, what will happen is, and I probably misspoke a little bit here, what will happen is I think maybe five, probably ten years from now, there may be a political thing where they just they, they say, well, this is no longer under that. Again, I don't know. Some people will say, no, that's never going to happen. But we almost got the thing with suppressors, I thought, where those, I imagine, probably within the next five years or so, suppressors will probably come off of uh, the, NFA, the NFA list. And that's sort of just my kind of opinion. All right. Well, I tell you what, I think I have kind of rambled on enough. Oh, you know what? I haven't rambled on enough. Let me ask you guys this. So earlier I was talking about a little bit about the EarPro stuff. And I use those Howard lights and then I also use the earplugs underneath those. Do you guys have any recommendations? And let's say that money really isn't going to be a consideration with it. Because most of these things, they will last you years and years and years and years. So even if something costs two, $300, let me know kind of what you think are good ones why you think they're good, send in sort of a little mini review either through email or through your own audio. What do you use? What do you think is good? Do you think, even if it's something like this, like you're saying, well, those Howard lights you use are just as good and they do just as good a job as some of these other more expensive ones. Or if you're of a different opinion than that, you know, let me know. But like I said, give me a little review on what you think would be a good one and it's um i would say limit them to electronic stuff i know that there are some weird ones out there that have like the little tubes that go up and supposedly they'll work i don't know if i really trust that stuff but anyway let me know as far as electronic ear pro what you guys think are some of the good ones out there all right now i think i've rambled on long enough uh, for this part of the show I don't think I have anything else, so I will talk to you guys here in a couple of seconds.
All right, guys, you did get time warped just a little bit. It's actually Tuesday. Normally, I try and get the show out a little earlier during the week, usually shoot for Sunday, but with Memorial Day and some other stuff that kind of happened, things just got pushed back and it was kind of unavoidable. So I apologize for that. Anyway, I did get a couple of bits of feedback. The first kind of came from uh, an anonymous person. They didn't put a little name at the bottom, so I'm not exactly who sent it in, man, woman, that type of thing. Anyway, basically what this person said was that they were a first-time, long-time listener and they just wanted to drop a line to say hi and that they had also bought a Ruger PCC, basically the new thing that Ruger has out and they've been shooting it and they love it and they'll go ahead and send in a range report very soon. So to that person that sent that in, I hope you do send in that range report. I do want to apologize. It did take me quite a while to get that feedback to you. A lot of times when I was doing stuff, especially if I was doing things in the truck, I didn't have access to be able to read the email. I've since remedied that, but uh, so I apologize again uh, for taking so long to kind of get to that. And we do hope to hear from that, to get that range report from you on that thing. For those of you guys that are unfamiliar with that particular pistol caliber carbine, it looks like the Ruger 10-22 takedown, except it's in nine millimeter. It does have magazine wells for Ruger magazines as well as for Glock. And so you can kind of choose which one. And uh, so if you've got a bunch of Glocks and a bunch of Glock mags, you can use it with that. If you have a Ruger and uh, a bunch of their mags, then you can use it for that as well. I don't think they have any plans. Maybe they do. I don't know for MNP stuff or for HK or anything like that. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think I said it was a... Uh, takedown model so you can take it apart and it will store in a much more compact package that way it's easier to maybe fit into a backpack or something like that if you're going out hiking also with that it looks like i said just like the ruger 1022 except it's like like it's like it went to the gym and got got all swole up from lifting weights and everything but it is a handy looking little rifle it is not in the scary AR-15 style. So in other states, maybe places like California and things like that, where there are restrictions with that particular rifle, it may kind of fly under the radar a little bit and then people won't get so much of a hassle with it, that type of deal. So anyway, we also got another bit of feedback and this is from Dave out in Utah. And he writes in, hi, Tony, I tried out UGE tube, which is Utah gun exchange and uploaded a video about carrying a gun at school. The video taken with my phone uploaded sideways, but it clearly shows that lightning didn't strike nor a general panic break out from me carrying my gun legally in an elementary school in Utah. We can carry at schools if we have a concealed firearms permit. So no laws were broken here. It is a simple rebuttal to the notion that carrying a gun in a school is a horrible danger admission of moral defeat in the fight against school shootings. Keep up the good work. And that's from Dave in Utah. All right, Dave, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. Hope to hear from you again. You know, it is one of those things that a lot of people go into histrionics about, but his video and his point is, look, I, I'm a good guy who happens to carry a gun and I go in with it. And here in Utah, we've been able to do that for a while. And we don't see parents getting in fights, gunfights in the parking lot. 
we don't see teachers shooting students for coming into the class late or not having their homework done. We're not seeing a lot of disastrous behavior from that decision. So I think that something like that probably will come pretty quick to us here in Arizona, maybe within three to five years. I know I always kind of give that window, but realistically, that's kind of what those windows are. With some of the legislation that I have seen kind of put forth and some of the stuff that has passed, it seems that we're trying to do maybe some baby step stuff. A lot of times what has worked well out in Arizona is to say, all right, well, let's allow any type of law enforcement to do whatever activity we want. So what they're looking to do now is do a thing where they say, if you're off duty police officer, you can carry in any school or if you're uh, any type of law enforcement, there's a certain term that they use and I can't remember it right off the top of my head, but basically if you're Arizona, what is it? Arizona law enforcement certified type thing that you would be able to carry a gun in a school, whether you're on duty or off, it wouldn't matter. And generally what will happen is usually within a year or so of that, maybe two, that kind of trickles down to concealed carry uh, permit carriers or or holders. I guess is the word I was trying to stumble over there. And there are still places in Arizona where you need a permit to carry, to go in some of the... uh, some of the restaurants that serve alcohol or some of the bars, you can go in there. Of course you can't consume, but again, with that, we see that there is data from other States where you can carry and you can drink and we're not seeing super disastrous things because again, most people that aren't kind of criminal natured, I guess, even if they have a couple of beers with dinner or something like that, and they happen to have a gun on them, they are not going to shoot the waiter because they brought him their drink wrong or they got the order wrong. That type of stuff, it just doesn't happen. We, And again, we have seen concealed carry in this country for 30 plus years now, I guess it is. And that type of stuff, really, it, it's, it doesn't happen. So anyway, again, Dave, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. And like I said before, I hope to hear from you again real soon. Let me talk about my pistol caliber carbine decision that I've made and kind of what I'm going to be doing earlier in the show. I talked about, Oh, I kind of have this fantasy of I'm, I'm going to want to do that. And that was a few days ago for me, for you, it was only a few seconds ago, but I've kind of come to the decision that that is something that I want to do. I've always been fascinated with them, but the options for me to acquire one of those things it didn't seem like some of the bugs had been worked out or if it was a complete rifle or a complete pistol with a brace or something like that, they were pretty pricey. And I kind of was just like, well, I don't want to spend anywhere from 1400 to $1,600 on that. It's just that price just puts it out of range for me. It doesn't make it a feasible option for me. However, I have decided that I am going to go forward with this, but I am going to kind of build it on my own. And when I was going through the decision process, I was trying to think, well, should I get all of the components and then assemble it? Or should I maybe buy a completed upper or should I buy a completed lower and and figure out? So the long and short of it is what I decided to do is I do have an Anderson 
lower that I've had laying around for a while and I didn't really have much plans for it. I had at one point thought, well, maybe I'll do a short, short barrel rifle or maybe I'll make a, you know, a dedicated, dedicated to something else. But I am going to use that for my lower. And with that, what I will need to do is I'll have to get a nine millimeter buffer and a, a little bit heavier duty spring for that. And I did get a brace and I got that from SB Tactical. I ended up getting it from, I think, Palmetto State Armory. They had a good price on it. So I got that ordered and that is the SBA3, which I think has the buffer tube in there that you can adjust. And so it's it's the locking system or the mechanism of it, I think, is going to be similar to a regular stock. But of course, it is still a brace. I also decided to go with the Stern Defense there. I guess they call it just a mag adapter. So anyway, Stern Defense, they make if uh, a magazine called the AD9. And that is designed and set up to, to work with Glock magazines. They also have some that work with Beretta mags and ones that will work with the M&Ps. Now, the 89 isn't cheap. They're not giving them away. Right now, they're about $180 and for the Glock one. For the Beretta one, it's about 186 and it's the same price again for the M&P. So they're a little bit more pricey. Eh, not that much more, but you know, basically about $6 more, $6, $7 more, which I'm not exactly sure why, but you'd think they'd all be the exact same price. But anyway, I've heard a lot of good stuff about it. I've uh, read articles and seen things on online about it. And some of the, a lot of the people who are using them like them, they say they're pretty reliable. So I figure I'll go ahead and get that. I don't know if I'm going to grab that right now or if I'm going to try and wait and see if it comes maybe down in price. Maybe there'll be some sales. Uh, over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, there weren't, uh, at least the from what I could find, Stern Defense didn't drop the price on any of that stuff. So also for the lower, like I said, I'll need, I'll have my mag adapter. I'll have the brace. I will still need, like I said, the 9mm buffer and a little bit heavier duty spring. I'll also still need a lower parts kit. And for that, I'm not sure who I'll use. Again, with that stuff, I'll probably wait around and find something that's on sale. I In the past, I had liked the uh, BCM lower parts kit. I kind of liked their pistol grip and all that type of stuff. But I don't know if I'm going to get, you know, insist on having that type of thing or if I'm going to kind of shop around and see what I can find. There is an interesting thing from... Well, and I'll talk about this here in a second. So the upper that I'm looking at getting, I decided instead of trying to build it all out, so buying the handguard separately, buying the barrel separately, buying the uh, bolt carrier group separately, all that other stuff, and an upper receiver, I thought, well, you know what? I think what I will do is I will just go with a pre-made upper. And the upper that I decided to go with was from a company called Foxtrot Mike. And the one that I want to get is a eight and a half inch. And that when it comes with, it comes basically, it's a fully assembled, excuse me, assembled upper. What I like about it, it is a side charger. And it's also, you would consider it to be the upper part like a, a slick side. 
So it doesn't have a dust cover and it doesn't have a, uh, any type of a forward assist. It does have a shell deflector on there. And, but the most intriguing thing about that is it is a side charger. So you can have the side charger be on the left or you can have it be on the right. You have to use a, uh, an Allen wrench, a pretty long one to get down in there, but you can get it and you can take it out. So if you wanted to, let's say if you were kind of an AK guy, you could set it up to where it would, it would, even if you're a right-handed shooter to where it would mimic how an AK is a little bit, you know, it's still kind of out on front of the barrel. Uh, but I was intrigued with that. I know sometimes in the past I buy things or I, I, uh, start to look at stuff and I think, Oh, this maybe kind of fits what I want to do, but a lot of times this stuff is sort of niche in nature. And that's, that is in some cases sort of the risk that you take when you do that. Uh, If you buy something that isn't what everybody else has, you may run into some problems later on the road. If you need to, Oh, replace some parts or do some things, excuse me, some things like that. So I don't know. This company seems like they've been around for a little bit. Uh, seems pretty, like they're a decent company. Uh, they sell through some different vendors. They don't sell direct. And so DSG Arms has it. Uh, Primary Arms, Brownells carries it, and maybe a couple other things. I think the Glock store, and so I think there was another place too. But I found for what I want, I don't know, like I said, if I'm going to get it now or if I want to wait a little bit and maybe try like see if they do a black Friday type thing or just kind of keep checking back and see if maybe they, you know, it's a thing where they do free shipping or that type of deal uh, and then go ahead and pick it up. So the upper I may wait on for a little bit, the lower I'm actually going to try and go ahead and get that sort of all assembled and get that kind of good to go so that when I do get the actual uh, complete upper receiver, that all I'll have to do is just, you know, pop it right down on there. And then we'll kind of go from there. Another interesting thing uh, I do have, I told you guys, I do have the Optimus from Griffin Armament, which is my suppressor. And I plan on running that on this particular upper. Uh, I think it will probably, depending on how well I like it and how well it does, it will probably kind of live there. That will sort of maybe be its permanent home, or that will be the thing that i get it set up for that and optimized for that. And then we'll kind of go that route. So anyway, if anybody has any experience with uh, Foxtrot, eh, good Lord, I can, why can't I talk today? With Foxtrot Mike, there we go, the FM9, whether it's their 16-inch version, the 8.5 eight or 10.5 that they have, or you've had any experience with that, uh, go ahead and let me know. Now, I know also they do make a... Uh, lower receiver the lower receiver though of course it does not come with any type of receiver tube or any of that stuff that you would need you know to attach either a brace or a stock to in looking at that it is about oh anywhere depending on where you get it probably about a hundred and maybe about 160 to about 180 dollars it is a polymer lower however it is steel reinforced so it's kind of or not steel um aluminum reinforced so i think the back where you screw in your buffer tube i think that is molded in there so 
that's part of the aluminum and there are some other parts on there that are aluminum. They, one thing that's interesting about it is the pistol grip on that lower has a thing where you can put in a Glock magazine. So it, it slots into the bottom and then there's a little button that you can press and so it releases it so it won't fall out. Which, you know, some people would say that's a gimmick. I think it's kind of a neat idea. You know, this idea that you're going to carry an extra bolt or an extra firing pin in there. I, I don't really know of many people that do that. But their lower also comes with a... Oh, what's, what's the thing I'm looking for? Uh, the bolt hold open. So it'll do the last round bolt hold open. Now, another thing with that, that hundred and, you know, depending on how much you're going to spend, we'll just, we'll just say it for the higher end for now, we'll say it's about $180. You still need to have a, it doesn't come with a trigger group. So you still need to put in a trigger. And like I said earlier, you're going to need um, a stock or a brace assembly to kind of finish that thing off. I think although I'm not 100% sure, I think that they do have and sell a complete rifle, uh, but I'm not exactly sure how much that costs. Again, with me, I don't necessarily want to go that route. For me, I think going this way will allow me to kind of get what I want and do what I want and be able to get in at a price that I can actually live with. And I think it will make a really nice little home defense gun, house gun, if it works out to be reliable enough for me to be able to do something like that. All right, guys, I think that is going to wrap it up for today. Let me go ahead and give you the contact info real quick. Uh, voicemail area code 206-745-2731. Email address where you can send in an email or your own audio is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next time.